Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Happy New Year, friends. I want to ask you if I were to get you to think right now of a song that had stars in it, what would come to mind? Maybe you would revert back to childhood and sing a little twinkle, twinkle, little star in your mind, how I wonder what you are. Wasn't that a great way to give us permission to just look up into the night sky and wonder? Maybe soon after you even sang, when you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. Again, giving us permission to go from wonder to hope, right? Dreaming and hoping that somewhere out there beneath the great big sky, that maybe you could make a wish and that someone would hear and it would come true. But you know what? Star songs don't end in childhood, do they? Plenty of adults write songs about stars for other adults to sing along with. And maybe you've sung songs such as Earth, Wind, and Fire, reminding you to be a shining star, no matter who you are. Or David Bowie, imagining a star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come to meet us, but he think he'll blow our minds. These songs stick in our minds, but they're about this something out there beyond. I did a deep dive into some star songs this week. Came up with another good playlist if you'd like to find out. The other section of star songs people sing about is success, right? All those dreams that we have as adults are just like success out there. So we've got All the Stars by Kendrick Lamar and SZA, which was on the Black Panther soundtrack. Counting Stars by One Republic talk about all the success they're going to have. City of Stars, the characters in La La Land are dreaming about living in this culture and how they can be a star. But the most common reason that people sing about stars is for love. Love from above. Madonna sang about being a, you're going to be her lucky star. Waiting for a star to fall by Boy Meets Girl. A sky full of stars by Coldplay. Like a star, Corin Bailey Ray. There's Stars in the City by Old Dominion, When the Stars Come Out by Chris Stapleton, Under the Stars by John Legend, All of the Stars by Ed Sheeran, and Rewrite the Stars, which you might know from Greatest Showman. All of these songs, you look at the lyrics, and they are just crying out for someone to be in their life. And they are looking up in the heavens and wondering, can you make this connection here on earth somewhere up there? Stargazing is an ancient practice because lots of people thought, well, hey, the gods of all sorts of religions must live up in the heavens. Maybe the stars are gods themselves and surely they will hear our cry. Maybe they'll look down from their perspective and help us order life here on earth. But when you just stare at stars themselves, it's no wonder that we're in awe. Even if you don't have to wish on them, you can go out, and it's tricky here in the city. Lots of light, electric light, blocks out our stars. you got to work really hard to find them. But if you go out beyond the city, just a little bit of a darker patch out in the... I'm always 
fascinated with just how many stars you can see. It's no wonder that we might feel a peace, we might feel a hope when we're standing and staring at God's creation. And I think because of that, the reason that we like stars could be best summed up in some lyrics from Stars and Les Mis. Stars and your multitudes, scarce to be counted, filling the darkness with order and light. You are the sentinels, silent and sure, keeping watch in the night. We have not yet concluded our Hark series, which we did throughout the Christmas season, because there's still some wonder and light left to look at. And this time today, You've probably figured it out by now. There's some people who looked up into the heavens. The Magi followed a star. And we're going to talk about who they were and why the star mattered in their lives and why we, it can matter in our lives. So today we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. We'll have the verses on the screen. We have Bibles in the pews or your apps. Whatever you want to do to follow along, join us as we read together. Matthew 2 begins. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Okay, unlike the nativity scenes that you might have seen set out this season, there wasn't a big mega party of shepherds and magi all crammed around eight pounds, six ounce newborn infant Jesus. The magi weren't actually at the manger. Because from the timing of events we read in Luke, Jesus was dedicated at the temple eight days later. And based on some other sacrifices that Mary had to make for her purification, that would Make the math, 40 days. So at least 40 days after Jesus has been born. And I hope they found the poor kid a bed at that point. But because of some events that happen in verses we're not going to read just yet, King Herod actually sent out an edict because he was searching for Jesus. And he said, every child age two and under. And so therefore... The timing could have been anywhere from 40 days after Jesus was born up till age two. He might have been toddler Jesus running around that this magi are coming to find. And he's referenced as child, not baby anymore. So that's all the timing we have. But I can see why people just are like, well, it's cute if we put them all together in our nativity sets. No problem. But another misconception is we sing, you know, there's that hymn, We Three Kings. And there were three gifts that the Magi brought, and we're going to read about those. But we really don't know how many. I mean, two, they just say Magi, plural. So there are two guys could have carried three gifts, or maybe there was a whole group of them. We don't know. We kind of have this, these traditions that we get caught up in. But I just want to kind of break it apart and say, we don't really know. There's some mystery here. And we can kind of picture it in different ways. But what we do know is this that while we might call them wise men or magi or even the, the kings, they're actually astrologers from Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And so the magi were Gentiles coming to find a Jewish king. So that's significance number one. Number two is they would have worshipped in such a way that the Jewish people would have called them pagans. 
Basically, they're doing their own thing. They're not following Yahweh God. And therefore, they have a different worship style, religion, and belief system. That's why they're looking at the stars in the first place. They have studied the movement of stars, charting their course over their years. They're very studied, but the stars for them were that spiritual connection. And any time there was something different in the sky, an astral phenomenon, for them, that indicated something special happening in humanity. And their belief system, the star movement or something like a supernova, something like that, would have meant a birth of a human being destined for greatness. So they're looking at the stars, sensing that something is happening on earth, and then they're digging through to see where is this happening? Who is this happening through? So then they're not only looking at their own prophecies, but perhaps they're studying or asking about the prophecies of other religions. Maybe they came across what was going on in what we know of as the Old Testament scriptures. Because next we're going to read what's happening in Matthew 2, verse 3. The Magi decide to go find some answers. King Herod heard about this because... You know, Magi coming around. King Herod is the Jewish appointed ruler over the Jewish people around Jerusalem. Rome, as we know from our study in Luke, was the governing authority of the day. But there's a lot of different people to keep up with. So they would assign local leadership among the different groups of people that Rome ruled. Especially when they weren't Romans. They were Jewish people. Okay, we'll give you a Jewish local leader to take care of the business in your local communities. So that was King Herod. And king is, it's in quotes. I mean, it's kind of like his his title that he kind of took upon himself. Um, I guess Rome let it happen. But just know that King Herod is a little bit of a a little bit of a misnomer, but he's the one who's hearing this news because the Magi are coming to town and they're going to go talk to like the leaders of the town to say, what's going on here? Where can we find this child? When King Herod heard about this, verse 3, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. And this is from the book of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. We talked about a couple weeks ago, God being that shepherd Herod then secretly called the Magi and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. They're the ones keeping watch. He's trying to put all this information together. Now he has a Jewish prophecy and some guys who are really experts in the stars. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and is like, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. We will dig into a little bit more about Herod next week. But for now, just note, he is narcissistic, paranoid, and maniacal. Great qualities in a leader. Love it. Love to see it. So here, he was known to have favorite family members that he killed because they got on his bad side. And so therefore, when it says, when he's disturbed, 
all of Jerusalem is disturbed with him because they don't know what he will do next. If he has a bad day, he can make life miserable for everyone. I always love that verse. He was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with them because you know what it's like to feel unsettled. We have seen it in our world when a leader goes rogue and everyone's unsettled. What will they do next? That is the feeling. The, the feeling that we've watched people in Ukraine go through, wondering what will happen next. That is what we can visualize here in Jerusalem. Herod's having a bad day. Look out. And the reason why Herod is paranoid here is because they said the word king. He's given himself that title. He has worked hard, theoretically, to get himself this title. He has has kissed up to the right people in Rome. He has made his way so that he could get the authority he has been given. And here someone could just be born with the title king? That's threatening. That seems a problem for Herod. And so we know that his words to the Magi are a lie about his motivation. Go find the child and come back to me so I can worship him. False. In these verses also, Herod is surprised by the information from the Magi. He was half Jewish himself. He governed Jewish people, and yet he did not know Jewish prophecy. And so that's why he's like gathering the experts, the teachers of the law, to be like, what is this? What are they talking about? Why do they know something I don't? And what we see is the prophecy is written in that hymn poetic way we talked about that the book of Isaiah was written in. And that was why we have, we talk about Hark, our musical series, is that a lot of this, this Bible, this history, these powerful words are written in this very poetic, musical, hymn form. So, Herod didn't know about the prophecy. Why didn't anyone in the religious community, why weren't they like watching and like every baby born in Bethlehem, let's, let's investigate them? It had been 400 years since Micah and all those prophets had spoken aloud about God's word, about his plans, spoken directly to his people. They had sat in silence. For centuries, at that point, did they stop gazing at the stars? Did they stop looking in Bethlehem? Did they stop believing that these prophecies would happen? Did it just kind of become apathetic at this point? I get it. It's a lot of years of silence. Verse 9 says, After the Magi had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God knew the motivation in Herod's heart, and so they were warned not to go back to him, not to send the location back to the king. We talk about gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and maybe you've heard about the way gold was fit for kings, or myrrh is meant to cover bodies when they are, you know, buried, and that there might have been these these symbols. But also, also, they were valuable gifts 
And Joseph and Mary were not wealthy people. Because we know that when she made her sacrifice at the temple in the book of Luke, we read that she gave two small doves, which was meant for the poorest. And next week, we are going to read that Jesus, as a child, Mary and Joseph, they're warned by God and they need to head out on a trip. And gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that could have funded their journey. Why did the Magi bring it at this time? God was aligning, just like he aligns the stars in the sky. He was aligning these events to come together to protect the life of Jesus. The Magi were smart people. They were smart, and they were also spiritual people. They wanted to worship. And the interesting thing is that even if Herod had been okay with Jesus as king, like, oh, he's Messiah, he's the one that we've been worried about, even if he was at peace with that, the Jewish people would have been like, okay, that's the Messiah, he's going to be raised up, we're going to train him in the military ways, and come in and take over and govern us the way we need. They didn't think of him as someone to worship, even if they agreed he was the Messiah. So the fact that these magi were not only going to find him, not only going to revere him, but worship him. Isn't that an interesting contrast? That people who didn't even really grow up believing anything about the Jewish faith are now worshiping the one who was sent as the Jewish Messiah. But yet... But yet, these Gentile friends were invited right in. So that at the birth of Jesus, what Jesus kept trying to say as he lived his life was that he was for all people. And it began right here at the beginning. That not only were Jewish shepherds invited in to meet baby Jesus, but as he was still young and vulnerable and a child, Gentiles were invited in as well. Even when they didn't fully grasp what they were coming to worship. So why, why did Matthew even write about this story? Like, what can we find here? Why would he bring and tell us about the Magi? Luke tells us a certain perspective. He's got some shepherds. Matthew's telling us about Magi. What does he want the readers of his book to know? See three things. First, Matthew was telling the original readers to be like the Magi. So when he wrote his original book, the original readers were Jewish people. They were Jewish Christians, meaning they had said, yes, I'm interested in following Jesus. And now Matthew is saying, look, the people that we lifted up as teachers, as leaders in our Jewish community, they can have issues. They can have flaws. Herod had issues, right? But yet, look, the the Magi are the ones that are worshiping, and yet they are labeled something other. And so Herod is like, sometimes our role models are not found in our own community. That's all right. God can move through different lives and hearts. And number two, Matthew seems to indicate that everyone's invited. These Jewish believers were now fellowshipping with other believers in Jesus, when Jesus went back to heaven after he lived, died, rose again, and the church began, that's who's reading Matthew for the first time. They're sitting in their homes, in house churches. They're gathered together, and they're, they're reading through and trying to remember about this life of Jesus. 
who they're following. So Matthew wrote it all down to be like, remember, this is our beliefs, right? But the Jewish people are sitting there, and Gentiles are sitting right across from them, and they're sharing table together. And they didn't grow up the same way. And maybe, occasionally, they looked across at one another and thought, I don't know what you're really doing here. Is there some level of skepticism? Is that person here for the right motivation? Because those Gentiles didn't grow up with these prophecies. Why do they care about Jesus now, right? Maybe there is some hesitancy. And so Matthew, by putting in the Magi to show, look, the Gentiles are invited to the table from the beginning. So welcome them to your table now as you're all trying to follow Jesus together. And the third lesson that I see from this is, seriously, everyone is invited. This one, this thought, just really struck with me this week, was that as the Jewish and the Gentile believers are trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, how to be what they call Christians now, they're living in a culture where around them people are worshiping multiple gods, Roman gods. Rome is still in charge and and everyone's doing all of these things here, and they're trying, to, they're trying to figure themselves out, right? Let's try to, how are we going to live holy lives? But I think Matthew was giving them this reminder that the people outside were not the enemy. The people outside that they would probably label still pagans the way the Magi were, they were still seeking spiritual things. People worshiping other gods were still trying to look for answers in the stars or and maybe in statues. And yet, they're still searching. And so hopefully, the early Christians read these words and read about the Magi and maybe had some extra confidence to say, okay, if someone who didn't even believe in the Jewish Messiah found him in the stars, maybe the people in my neighborhood who were looking around and who are searching for something and it may not, they may not understand Jesus yet, maybe I can make that connection for them. Maybe I can connect those dots. Maybe Matthew's story reminded them that even though they're trying to separate themselves, um, you know, with their practices and try to figure out their lives, that doesn't mean that they leave everyone behind. That the people outside their doors are the people they're supposed to be going and inviting to the table as well. That feels like a good reminder for us too. It's not our main point today, but just it's just a nice reminder, right? That whether someone acts like they have it all together, they sit at our same table and they've grown up differently and practiced different religious practices than us, might feel skeptical, or whether we are just wondering if people out there seeking are on our side. We can see them as made in God's image, as people that God wants us to invite to the table. Each week in this series, we've talked about songs, and we've looked at holiday hymns, because we hear them around. And I mentioned before that there's the one called We Three Kings. It's not my favorite, I think, probably because, well, now it's just a lot of a lot of inaccuracies. But let's head to the chorus because that's what I like here. The chorus, if you recall, it's a star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, 
Guide us to thy perfect light. There's still wonder in the heavens. And though the Magi began with one goal in mind, God connected them to his goal. They were looking for light and leadership. And God's like, I've got just the person for you. You worship the stars, meet the creator of the stars right here. And a little little toddler, little toddler Jesus. Have you ever looked up in the stars lately? Have you looked up in the stars lately? Is there wonder there? Is there, is there time for wonder? I mean, that's my deal. When have I stopped and remembered to go look at the stars? Or maybe I've just gotten weary, like the Jewish people waiting in silence for God to speak again. Sometimes we speak, or we pray, and we've prayed, and we've talked, and we've looked into the stars, and we've made wishes, and we've spoken out loud, and we've thought, God, can you hear me? And it gets tiring if we don't hear answers. It can be weary. God knows that. God knows if that's where we are on our journey. And he doesn't stop speaking or moving. Sometimes we just have to look and pay attention. So my encouragement to us as we begin a new year, I always start the calendar just wondering what's ahead. There's something about where you think, okay, some people see it as a clean slate. Some people see it as motivation to start some new things. And it's just full of wondering what does 2023 have in store. And so I hope that you would take a little time. I don't know if it's going to be cloudy tonight to look up at actual stars or not. But I hope at some point when you can see them, take some time to wonder this winter, this new year, and just Take a step toward the light, metaphorically speaking. Take a step toward the unknown, because that's the thing about a new year, is you don't know. Think about all the hopes we had in January 2020 and how that turned out. And I think we're still reeling from that. And so I don't know. I'm more hesitant now than ever, like, can't wait for the new year, Eh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what this year will hold. But it's it's always filled with more joy and wonder than we might imagine as well. I feel like there's more joys and more different challenges than I was anticipating. It's never quite what we expect, but I hope that we'll all just just take a step and know that God can work it for good, that he can still connect, that he can still redeem sorrow, that he can still draw us close to Jesus even when we've headed down a path that didn't seem like we were going there in the first place. Maybe we're hesitant because we don't have all the answers or we don't know what we feel in our faith right now. And you know what? That's okay. Take a step anyway. The Magi were, they were focused on their own faith. And yet God found their seeking and connected them to the truth of Jesus. I think when we take a step in any sort of hope, that God will carry us to the next step. He will carry us to Jesus. He will connect us to the true light. Like I said, maybe you just feel like your plate is already full, and I get that. I hope that you will still take time for Jesus this year. Just a little extra time. 
I just, I'm going to say this out loud, okay? I wasn't planning on this because I need accountability, guys, okay? I was talking to someone this week about how I've just, it's been a long time since I've really dug into the word, like, I'm, I'm digging into it for sermons, but found out a couple of podcasts that are out there to just hear the whole Bible read through the whole year. So I want to do that. I want to, like, I want to commit to listening to God's word read aloud every day. That's going to be my, my new goal this year. So I'm saying it so you guys can check in on me. I'm asking you to check in on me. I need some help. But I, I think I put it off because I'm like, that takes time to sit and read. When I'm already studying for sermons, I've got to add in some more Bible reading. But I want to listen. And I think if I know that when we carve out time and we do sacrifice, that God's like, see you go. Still got everything done anyway. That's the whole Sabbath concept when he's like, just stop and trust me, and I'll still provide. So if you're feeling busy in your faith, in your spiritual walk, and you just think, I don't have time to work on that this year. I've got other things on my agenda. Please, just take a little step. doesn't have to be huge. Just a little step toward the light, toward Jesus. Maybe you're hesitant to meet new people or try new things because that's intimidating and you don't feel confident and I just pray that it's okay that you'll step anyway. Because God has reasons to bring people into your life. Reasons for their life, reasons for your life, for you to be connected to new people, for you to try new things that are difficult, for you to find new ways to take the skills you already have and serve people, serve the kingdom, and just use those skills in a beautiful, fulfilling way. I hope that you will take a step. But just know that we're not doing it alone. We're all challenging all of us to step together. And if we're each stepping, then we're not, we're not by ourselves. You don't have to feel like you're alone. Stepping toward Jesus' light brings people closer, not farther apart. So as we begin this new year, let's step. Let's step toward the light of Jesus. And I think he'll be in our path. I think he'll be in our path no matter what. Fun fact is that Shante, who is still celebrating Christmas with her family today, she said, you know, you're talking about stars. You like a good giveaway? I do. I do like a good tangible thing you can take home. And so we found some glow-in-the-dark stars. Susan has a box in the back. She's going to come around as we're doing our closing song after communion. She's going to give you a little star. And it glows. It's got a little sticky tab on the back. You can remove the tab, and you can put it somewhere. So that even if there's no stars outside in the sky, hopefully you can put a star somewhere in your house and you can see it. And remember this challenge. Remember to step toward the light. If you're joining us online and you want a star, connect with me. I'll send you a star. Let's just remember the light of Jesus to take us into this new year. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for making a difference in our lives from the very beginning. Even when you were a child who was vulnerable in the care of human beings. Even when... You were still developing. You were making a difference and drawing people, drawing people in, connecting people who were, didn't know each other before, who didn't know you before. And light and salvation and redemption are found. Thank you for promising to sustain us, 
Thank you for promising to love us. Thank you for allowing us to just take one small step and you promise to be there. We ask for your strength, your courage to take steps this year together. We lift your holy name, your light, and your love. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.